Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Part of investing is thinking about the legacy of the future and bringing up those around you. Today, we're going to talk about not just your wealth, but wealth for generations on the Real Estate Guys radio program. To really get the most out of real estate investing, it's imperative that you pick the right market. But more goes into market analysis than just the latest headlines. Come learn how to see a real estate market through the eyes of experienced investors. When the real estate guys come to Dallas, Texas for an investor field trip, you'll learn a ton about what makes a market tick and specifically the key advantages the DFW market and submarkets possess. Study the sustainable drivers, dig beneath the headlines, understand the financial metrics, and spend two and a half days around other investors from other markets. And while no property is sold on the Real Estate Guys field trips, you will have the opportunity to pick the brains of real estate professionals that have been working in the market for years. Oh, and did we mention? It's a blast. Sample the local cuisine, experience the Dallas culture, and network like crazy. Visit realestateguysradio.com and look under events for all the details. That's realestateguysradio.com under events, and we'll see you in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks for tuning into the program. Let's say hi to our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. We just uh, had an amazing weekend in Dallas, Texas with a whole bunch of amazing folks, primarily the master, Brian Tracy. Yeah, we did. Brian is amazing. And, uh, you know, you said amazing twice. I just said amazing. That's how amazing it was. We're, yeah, we're dumbfounded. We only know one word. It's amazing. But it really is. I mean, you know, sometimes you just have these experiences. And Brian is legendary in what he does. And I really appreciate Brian because Brian is a mixture of inspiration and practical tactical training. And a lot of public speakers are all about the motivation and how you feel, and that's great, but that opens up your heart and mind. You got to deliver some real content. And Brian really does that. I left with my workbook full of these little circles that I make next to action items. And I've, you know, I've got literally going to time block a chunk of time to sit down, go through my book and make a big list of all the follow up actions. And he really put a lot of emphasis on that. And of course, our motto, education for effective action, you know, we, obviously feel very strongly that you've got to take what you learn and act on it. And he put a real emphasis on that. So I, I really enjoyed it. But it was great to meet so many listeners. I mean, a lot of folks that have been to our programs and things showed up, but we met a lot of new folks and this was the first thing they'd been to. Well, not our event. We just happened to be coming with it. We spread the word and uh, my goodness, we had more people there than anybody. Yeah. And, and that's always fun. So thanks to all of you who took the time to come out, right? We really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see it again at a, at a real estate guys event. You know, on our summit at sea, we had a really impactful panel and it just so happened that uh, four of the five people on the panel are with us uh, today. So we thought, you know, let's visit this topic. And, and here's what it is. It's what we call generational wealth. We've spent the weekend around like-minded achievers, people who came out to this event because they want more in life. But not everyone is like that. And if you think about where we learn finances from, we tend to learn from the people we spend the most time with. And for most of us, that's our parents. Now, if you happen to have the last name of Trump, then I'm guessing you've probably done well in the financial arena because you've had a great mentor. Whatever you think about him politically, from a financial point of view, brilliant, right? If you are around someone a lot who has great relationship skills, you're gonna have great relationship skills. Same thing for communication, whatever it may be. And most of us, since we learn from our parents, we're going to repeat however our parents showed up financially. Now, if you have financially well-off parents that do well and support the world and do great things, awesome. But if you're like the 99% of people that don't, 
then what? And so our mission today on this show is to get you thinking beyond your pocketbook and yourself and not just about you and necessarily your kids, but what are the future generations in your family and the people you affect going to be able to do in their lives? Yeah, I mean, think about it right now. You know, you look back, say, in the founding of the United States of America, we refer to these guys as our founding fathers. These are guys that were largely wealthy, successful, brilliant people. And they stood up against what was the greatest armed forces in the world and resisted because they wanted to create an environment of prosperity and opportunity for their children's 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 children, you know, men and women they were never going to know for generations. And it's that concept of thinking way, way outside yourself and creating a structure, a culture, a philosophy that people can grow up into and experience prosperity. And, you know, we're not talking about founding a country, but if you think about your family, and I'm at that age where I've got grown children, I've got grandchildren, and I'm at that season where I'm thinking, okay, how do I want to finish out? You know, I, whether I lived, you know, another 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50, I mean, I tried to take care of myself and I'm looking forward to living a nice long life, but I'm thinking, what do I really want to get done? You know, when I, when I first got married, it was like, okay, I want to have kids. I want to have a nice family. Well, you know, I've done that. And now the kids are grown. I'm like, okay, now, now what do I want to do? Really? I don't want to sail off into retirement. I mean, I am retired. I get to get up every day and do what I want and I have all I need. So to me, I'm retired, but I have lots of things I want to get done. And this one is really top of mind for me. You know, I was reminded of that this weekend as here's Brian Tracy, 72 years old, one of the greatest speakers and orators on earth, does not ever need to work again. And he went from morning to late night, dinners every night, breakfast with groups every morning, on like crazy. We had the uh, great honor to uh, you and I to drive Mr. Tracy to the airport after the event and got to visit with him and he was still teaching. He was. And that that really had an impact on me because, you know, you get when you get a chance to spend time with a keynote guy like that backstage, especially guys that, you know, sell additional seminars or products or services or whatever. And, and so part of their presentation includes that. And sometimes you ask yourself, gee, I wonder if this is just, you know, all about making money for himself. And then so when I'm done, I'm done, right? Hey, I did my job. Job, yabba dabba do, you know, punch the time clock, and now I'm going to go have a glass of wine. And I, the last thing I want to think about is everything I just got done saying, right? right? And there are there are speakers that are out there that are like that. But Brian's not that way. I'm, you know, we're not that way. We, right. we, we never stop. We get done and we keep talking. I mean, we just can't get enough of it. So it's really gratifying to meet him like and spend time with him backstage like that and to see him just still with as much or more enthusiasm that he had from the front of the room there in the car coaching us up. Well, this great. is the point about passion, right? When you're passionate about something and it ties right into what we're talking about because if you're trying to impact and influence people, say the next generation. How many investors do we know that we meet who are doing really well that say, man, my kids have zero interest in my business? Oh, well, okay. You can't expect them to be passionate about it, but you ought to at least plant a seed and make it available to them. There's a good chance they they weren't even around it enough to know. So many people are focused, like you talk about at the beginnings of their life, about making more money, making more money, and then preserving money and protecting money and so forth. But there is a bigger picture than that. And today we're going to think in terms of these generations. So uh, in order to do that, we've got a couple of generations with us. First of all, let's say hello to the man we call the godfather of real estate. He's been investing in seven different decades, and he's my daddy, Bob. Helms. Hey guys, it's just great to be here and it was amazing 
being at the Brian There's that Tracy word again. Event. There it is. Also joining us on the other spectrum, a man who has been with us at least once before on the radio and who is uh, doing an amazing job at a lot of things you're going to hear about today. That is Mr. Sean Gray. Hey, Sean. Hey, Robert. The, uh, <laughs> the youngest of uh, six children and also the future uh, next co-host of the Real Estate Guys. So. That's right, future co-host. There you go. So uh, since your dad's been my temporary co-host for uh, for all these years, but we had a chance on the summit this year to talk about this very thing, is how do you set the stage for your family, right? I was fortunate enough that my dad got into real estate and I got the bug. My sister did not, right? Okay. Russ, you have six kids and several of them have been interested in various degrees in business and real estate. And Sean has really stepped up and, and shown a very different level of interest. So I think the, the first thing, let's start at the, at the top, if you will. And Bob, maybe just share with us as a guy growing up and getting the real estate bug and now thinking about how the future looks like. Walk us through that now that you're 80 years old. Well, here's the good news. I'm still very excited about it. And it's not simply because of what I get to do, although that's part of it. Hanging around with you guys, being involved with many of the things you do, gives me access to people who are doing it today. So vicariously through them and being able to advise, I get to continue to play. Well, I think the reason I do as well as I do at my age is because I'm involved. I've got things to work on, things I like. Part of what I enjoyed so much about this weekend's event, by the way, was looking at some generational folks, people who were brand new and beginners, and we've all been brand new and beginners. But there was a one group in particular, a father and son, Ron and Ron. They reminded me of you and I, Robert, simply because the young Ron grew up with a very successful father who owned real estate all over the place. And so he could have taken the attitude that, so what, I'll go be a ski jumper or whatever. But he didn't. He's dug into it. They've been in business for a long, long time, and they're doing new ventures right now. They're still expanding. So the point is they're looking at the future. And it's such a key thing that we see with those who are looking at the future when they've put together any kind of a wealth empire. And very often, they don't think about getting the kids involved until the kids are past interest. When I started, I didn't have anybody in my family who had ever been investors. In fact, I was the first one in my family to graduate from a college as far as we knew. And uh, I had the good fortune that I had a good relationship with my brother, who lived near me, we began investing together, spent the first 20 years we were working, both as engineers, investing in real estate. And by the time we were done with that, we were investors, period. That's where our mindset was. And of course, Robert and his sister both had the same opportunity to be involved in it, but he was interested and she wasn't. So you can't predict and you can't push them where you want to go. Yeah, you know, to me, I look at your family, Bob, and you've got, you know, son and daughter, right? Robert, who came into the real estate investing business and very entrepreneurial besides that. To me, it's even bigger than being an investor because it's about being entrepreneurial. And of course, Deb started her own business and she owns her own business to this day. So when when I look at the, this problem, you know, that I'm trying to address, what I'm doing as a father now is saying, okay, I don't want to just pass wealth. I don't just want to create a business and show them how to operate something I've built, even if they help me build it. That's a level, right? When you sit down and talk to an estate planner or somebody, you know, they're talking about how do you preserve and pass wealth. And you see that what happens is one generation creates wealth, then through good estate planning, they pass wealth. And then that generation typically squanders it. Yep. 
because they never became entrepreneurs, they never became investors. And I feel like right now, at this time in history, it's more important than ever that successful generations teach the up-and-coming generations how to create businesses, how to create portfolios. And the reality is, you know, with Sean, I've been telling him, look, we're going to go start some businesses. We're going to build a portfolio. You're going to learn how to do these things. But the thing is, you need to be prepared to be able to build it all over again, just like I've had to build it all over again, right? After 2008, he goes, okay, I got to start all over again. I have that skill set. If something comes along that we don't anticipate, if all I do is pass it on to him and show him how to operate it, and something comes along we don't anticipate and takes it out, and I'm not there to rebuild it, then then our family generational legacy is over. So it's a lot more than just how do you own and operate, but how do you actually build it from scratch? What skills do you have to have? And then the further burden, as I'm looking at Sean, is to take on the responsibility of preparing the next generation and including as many people in our family as want to be part of it. So it's a, it's a big project, but it's a lot more than just operating a business in a specific industry or investing in a specific type of product. It's really about preparing them to think and act and live like an entrepreneur that can start something from scratch. It is the difference between giving a man a fish and teaching a man to fish. You're teaching the skills, but it doesn't stop with the second guy in the boat. I think that's the point. The idea of generational wealth is if you can start, maybe for like our family, dad started it. We didn't come from this big background of these land barons and these successful people, right? So, you know, your father, Russ, was successful in high-tech business. And so you've got a lot of that. You've naturally been around a guy who was very successful at business. That's gotten on you. you, We can't help that. We become the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. And so I guess one of the big messages is choose well, right? And we'll let Sean talk about that. A young guy who's surrounded by all kinds of folks. How do you choose well when there's all kinds of things to choose from? And then be strategic about it. It's not just going to happen. Now, on the summit, we had attorney Jeffrey Verdon with us, who's an estate planning attorney. There's a lot of things in law. Brilliant guy. But his angle to this was he spent the first part of his career helping people do what you talked about, Russ. How do I prepare my estate for the heirs? Now he shifted that and he spends as much time, if not more, focused on how do I prepare the heirs? That's because he found out that he thought he was preparing the heirs, H-E-I-R-S, and he found out he was preparing the errors. Right. (laughs) And these people were messing up, right? I mean, these wealthy people would pass their wealth along and then the next generation would really have a problem. And he goes, well, look, I've got to try to help my wealthy clients solve the bigger problem. So it was great to have him on the panel and uh, he's a good guy to have on your team. We're talking about generational wealth. How can you create a scenario where business and real estate and everything else lives for decades and decades and beyond that. More when we come back, you're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helm. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects 
totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Woman, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you've ever wanted to make more money doing bigger deals using other people's money as well as your own, then come on out to The Secrets of Successful Syndication. You'll get all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. We're talking about preparing the next generation and the generations beyond that for the future and whatever that might look like. We can't just accidentally fall into something. If you look around at a lot of these folks who are just famous for being famous, most of them are trust fund babies that ended up with money. And if they're smart, they get advisors around them. That's one way to go. Another way to go is to be strategic as you're building your investments to also be building future generations. Yeah, I think, again, I'm going to go back and say this is so important because I think in the world we live in right now, the global economy is fragile and there's going to be a lot of problems. I think everybody acknowledges that. And some people just try to hunker down and hope they can preserve wealth going through that. And that's not a bad thing to do. I think the other part of it is really being prepared to take advantage of all the opportunities. And you mentioned uh, about the syndication event. What a great opportunity, right, to come as a father and son or to come as a mother and daughter or how, whatever combination, one generation and another generation to come and learn how do we aggregate capital? How do we organize a business? How do we mitigate risk? How do we go out there and uh, source deals? How do, we, how do we do these things? Because syndication is a lot more than just real estate. I mean, it's really about how do we put capital together to go do things. And if you can't count on the banking system to make you a loan, if you can't count on government programs, if you've got to just figure out how to go find people that have money that need it to go to work and you've got a way to do that for them. Now they have a problem. They have money that needs to go to work and you have a problem. You have work that needs to be funded. You have a basis of having a relationship. I think the other thing you said, Robert, was you become the sum total of the people you hang around with. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I was, even to this day, I'm much more a business person than I am an investor. Well, what I recognized in myself is, hey, I want to become a better investor. And I met you by going to one of your seminars and got more involved in this program and helped become part of creating the program. Because as we've said many times, if you can't find a group to join, create one. And, you know, for me personally, I wanted to be around real estate investing. I wanted to understand it more. So I started a mortgage company, not to be in the mortgage business, but to understand the financing part of real estate. And then that brought me to a relationship with you and Bob and all of the people that you knew. And then together we created an environment where we were able to go attract more people, active investors. We were learning at the, at the street level, if you will, advisors, people who were brilliant. And then we took and built that up and that brand up. And then we said, okay, after the financial crisis, we said, okay, we need to expand the people we hang out with. And when we did that, so this is a skill set, if you will, that is kind of hard to get your mind around, but we say it all the time. People, I mean, we, you know, we do an Ask the Guy show and a lot of the questions we got is, well, where can I find a mentor? Where can I find? The answer is create a group, find a way to create a group on your own, right? And that, that to me is important. We're talking about creating environments for you to 
be in yourself to develop yourself, but also to teach the next generation how to create environments. And Sean had a great experience at the Brian Tracy event that we've talked about. There was a bunch of young people there and they all got together and I'll let him tell the story, but it was powerful to realize that there are like-minded people in the world that you can get energy off of and you can learn things from and you can go do deals and, and put businesses together. And that's, that's the exciting part of it. Well, when we talk generational wealth, this isn't just about your family. Not everyone listening comes from the nuclear family. Sometimes I have know a lot of people in my life I consider family. We just aren't in the same lineage, right? Good friends, people that are lifelong friends. Having those, I mean, so bringing those folks along is just as important. So, Sean, let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, since uh, your dad brought it up. It wasn't just any random group of 20-somethings that were together. It was people who came to an event like Brian Tracy's three-day with Darren Hardy and Ron White and all these amazing speakers. That's probably not your average millennial. No, it's not. And it was amazing. And there's that word again. But it really was because these are millennials who want to grow and are looking for the environments to put themselves in. They're action takers. They're ambitious. They're motivated. And they are looking for those environments where that personality, that that drive, that can flourish. So uh, it was an awesome experience. We went out to dinner and there was probably... I don't know, 20 of us millennials. And the conversation wasn't the typical millennial conversation. It wasn't about sports. It wasn't about celebrities. It wasn't about, you know, our, our jobs that suck. It was about what can we create? You guys are talking about creating environments. And that was it. We were masterminding. We were planning. We were strategizing. So it was, it was an incredible experience being around other like-minded people. Awesome. Well, now let's step back a little bit because we had you on the show a couple of years ago when you were just out of college and you were kind of drifting and looking and you had taken some actions towards bettering yourself, which was phenomenal. Now you've been through this process a couple of years. Uh, paint us the picture, first of all, of working with your dad and how you either were repelled or attracted by that originally because we've heard from him that he was very strategic about wanting to bring his kids along, but the receiving end of that isn't always on the same wavelength. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'll start at the beginning. And when I graduated college, I was 22. I say 22 without a clue. Yeah. I was lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do, the direction I wanted to head. And you're exactly right. He was strategic about how he presented it to me. It was almost like he was Morpheus presenting the two pills to me. He said, <laughs> you know, you can take, choose this way, you know, and this is generally what it turns out to be. Or you could choose this way and, like he said, be retired, start retired, right? You can get paid to live. So he gave me that option, and instead of you know pulling me and forcing me to hang out in these environments, uh, he gave me the choice, and he let me develop and grow at my own pace. And again, the other thing that you guys were talking about, which I think he did masterfully, was he didn't uh, give me a fish. He's been teaching me how to fish. I always say you have to be the person you have to be before you can have the things you want to have. And that's what he did. He developed me and presented me and gave me the opportunities to hang out in environments where I could become the person I wanted to be. Yeah, it's, it's great to watch. And I, I want your dad to comment on something about that in just a second. But, but first, let's talk about those choices, because I think this might really be important to people who are listening. You know, a lot of your friends at the same age, their idea of success was, hey, I've got a degree, I'm going to get a good paying job. And many of them did. The other side of it, the other pill, if you will, isn't, oh, I'm just going to jump into a job at 80 or 100 grand a year, which sounds like all the money in the world when you're 22. You took a different path. So how is it that friends of yours decided, I'm going to go work for somebody else? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the path they, they chose and kind of where they are now versus the path you've chosen, which is drastically different than that. I really think it's a product of the school system and how we were brought up in just society. Obviously, you know, they don't teach us anything about money in school. There's no financial education, right? We talk about it all the time with Kiyosaki, right? There's traditional formal education. There's professional education. Like if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, and then there's... 
uh, financial education. I would argue that financial education is the most important. Like it or not, money makes the world go around. And if at a young age, if you don't understand money, well, you're at such a disadvantage. And a lot of times they get out of school and they ask themselves. And to answer your question, I think it really comes down to the questions that we're asking ourselves. And when I got out of school, um, I saw most of my friends and they were asking, you know, what do I do to make money? Right? Logical question based off of how we were brought up and the, and the system that we were brought up in, but it's the wrong question. The minute they say, what can I do to make money? It makes money the end goal and it makes doing something, exchanging your time and effort for that money um, as the means to get there. The question that my dad gave me or, or challenged me to ask myself rather was, what can I build that will afford me the lifestyle I want to live? Now, instead of money being the end goal, lifestyle is the end goal. And instead of doing something, which requires you know, my effort and time, I'm building something. Sure, both require work, but one requires work in the beginning, and then you reap the benefits of it for years to come. And the other requires work every day until you're gray. Yes, and you started out as a gray, so I think you've already got that handled. <laughs> uh, but, Russ, what I wanted to talk about with you especially, and this is something that we do in our teaching, and it's really, I think, important for people to understand this, especially if you have kids. You have to leave that gap, the spark plug. Talk about that. Yeah, this is huge. And this is really the key to having an engagement. In, in public speaking, if you master the art of the pregnant pause, you, know, you ask a rhetorical question, you pause, and you give the mind on the other side a moment to fill the gap. There's got to be engagement. And so I, I look at it this way. When I, when I look back, I, you know, my, got my kids all raised, and I look back, and I, you, know, you critique yourself. Tom Hopkins taught me to do that. At the end of everything I do, I review it. And when I was kind of done raising the kids, and of course I would do this along the way, I asked myself, okay, well, you know, if I could go back in time, what would one thing be different? And I feel like I wish that I would have done even more of this. And I got better at it, you know, as, as I became more experienced as a parent. But the, the concept you're talking about is you build up a lot of energy. If you know how a spark plug works, you've got an electrode and then you charge it with electricity. And there's a gap between that and the other electrode. And if you've ever seen one of those experiments where the spark is jumping back and forth, you know, arcing, if you will, then that's the energy. So you build up enough energy. And at some point, the energy builds up so much that it will leap that gap. When it does, you know, the light goes off, the electricity occurs. And, and that's the key. So you put them in an environment where you're building a lot of enthusiasm. You're giving them a new vision. One of the first events we went to was a new media expo. And there were a bunch of these new media entrepreneurs, guys making high six, seven figure incomes in new media, not a bunch of old gray haired guys, but young guys within less than 10 years of Sean's age that he could see them. I didn't say anything. I just let him see them. And he began to realize, wow, I, I think I might be able to do that too. So it was the environment that built the energy and the gap that I left by not depositing the answer. I did not take the textbook of life, started talking about what I wish I didn't do. Early in my parenting, I wanted to protect my children from all the pain of life. I think a lot of well-meaning parents do this. And I'll tell you right now, my opinion is a huge mistake. Because what you do is like handing them the textbook of life where all of the hard work and the lessons are, where you do the math and then you check your answer and you find out, oh, I made a mistake. And then you've wasted time, quote unquote. And then you have to go back and do it over again. And it's embarrassing because you got it wrong. And you say, oh, I don't want to save, I want to save my child from all of that pain. So here, let me just flip to the back of the book and give you the answer. And what they don't know how to do is they don't know how to do the math. They don't know how to do the equation. They don't know how to think. 
And to me, it's more important that they learn how to think, which means you have to leave that gap so they can process. Kiyosaki teaches that when we teach. We've adapted that, a lot of that. Like when we do the sales training workshop, the how to win funds and influence people, lots of role play, lots of discussion, because you have to process the information. If you don't process it, I might be able to regurgitate it all. It gets all over you, but it doesn't get in you. For it to get inside you, you have to digest it. You have to process it, and that gap is important. But to get them to do the work, there has to be enough energy. There has to be enough enthusiasm. And those two factors, environments where the information is available in an inspiring way, and then the person who already knows the answer is zipping their lip and letting them figure it out. And it takes time. And then he'd have these epiphany moments. He'd call me up. He'd say, Dad, I just figured it out. You, you must be so upset with me that it took me so long. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you, A, that you figured it out. And you have figured it out so much faster than I thought you would. So much faster than I see so many young people. But see, when the light bulb goes off, the temptation is, oh, I want to go tell everybody the answer. And then he went out and did that, right? Which, why don't you take a second to tell people what that experience was like? Because that was an important lesson. Yeah, it was like being a, uh, being a new Christian or a newfound religion. You get all excited and you want to go tell everybody. And so I invited all of my friends to come along and they just couldn't see it. I was telling them, hey, this is how you have to think. This is how you have to do it. This is this, 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 this. And they weren't there yet. They weren't, in, they weren't hanging out in the same environments as I was. So they weren't seeing it. So I got a lot of resistance from my friends when I was trying to bring them along. Since then, I've been able to perfect my message a little bit better, and I'm able to meet people where they're at. And I think one of the concepts I live my life by is, you know, when the oxygen mask falls, you got to put on your own oxygen mask first, right? I found that the best way for me to get my friends and the people I cared about to come along was just me going out and doing it. Well, such a good point, right? There's the one thing when you find out the great secret of whatever it is you're working on and you want to share, which is a great thing to want to share, but your your point is huge. You reach people where they're at. You can't feed steak to a baby, and you can't expect that all of this time it's taken you to reach this conclusion, you can shorten too much for the next person. Now, you can shorten a little bit. Our whole business as the real estate guys is about collapsing time frames, about shortening the time it takes. Every event we do, everything we do in our teaching is to take something that took us 10 or 20 or 40 years to learn and showing people how they can do it a lot quicker, right? So when we see somebody taking that to heart, it's huge. That's, that's our, the juice for us is education for effective action and taking the action quickly. More sooner is better. And yet at the same time, you got to be cognizant. And that gap, that gap can't be too big because if it's too big of a gap, they'll never jump over it. But if it's too small of a gap, they'll feel like they're being crammed into it and that energy won't be there. And that's the art. And so sometimes you're going to be frustrated when you leave that gap and it takes time. It'd be great if everyone jumped over immediately, but they don't. If you want the next generation to think like an owner, let them own it. Excellent point. We're talking today about building generational wealth. We're going to run out of time before we can cover it all, but it's going to be an awesome show. When we come back, it's your chance to win a prize for Real Estate Trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Elms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. 
When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Mauricio Raul, founder and CEO of Mir Law Group, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show, no matter how you got here. We appreciate it. We're talking about generational wealth with some generations of folks today. Before we get back to that discussion, it's time for Real Estate Trivia. That's your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, and it's a good one. Here's what happens. I'm going to give you a trivia question that has something to do with real estate. As soon as you think you know the answer, send us your best guess to trivia at real realestateguysradio.com. That's trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and your mailing address, your physical mailing address, because you're the winner. We're going to get you a copy of Second Chance by Robert Kiyosaki. Last week on the Real Estate Guys, we asked this, which country has the most proven oil reserves? Well, the answer is Venezuela, followed by Saudi Arabia. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Where did the show All in the Family take place? Remember that show, All in the Family? Archie Bunker and the like. Now, it was in a sound studio, so unlike television shows today that are actually filmed somewhere, this was filmed in a sound studio, but it was set in a particular location. That's what I'm looking for. What real estate location was All in the Family set? If you think you know or want to take a guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. First person with the right answer will get a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's latest book, Second Chance. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking with Sean Gray and Bob Helms about uh, generational wealth. What does it take to continue on in your investing long after you're here? Well, it's not going to happen by accident. You have to be strategic about it. And Sean, we were talking about kind of the strategy involved with seeking out information. I think the next thing to, to talk about is this idea that your dad brought up, which is preparing you to prepare the next generation. So in your 20s, are you even thinking about that kind of stuff? I mean, you're not married, you don't have kids. Tell us about that. Well, I think in your 20s, a lot of times, at least from what I see amongst my peers, is that we're, we're kind of lost. And the thing that has been, had the biggest impact on me is been being asked the right questions and being surrounded in the right environments that allow me to discover what my purpose is, what, what, what my major definite purpose is. You heard my dad talk about, you know, he feels retired. I feel retired too, and I'm only 24 years old because right. every day I get to wake up and I get to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with who I want, because it's the lifestyle that I went after instead of the money. That's so important. It is only work if you'd rather be doing something else. Yeah. So in finding your purpose, a lot of times that's the hardest part to get started. And the Creating Your Future event that you do, the Goals event, had perhaps the biggest impact on how I was able to do that. Because really, it's, it's, it's you for three days asking questions. And it brings out what our deepest desires are, what our true wants and passions, and which leads to our purpose. And I think once you discover what your purpose is, it, uh, it changes everything. And you know exactly where to hang out. You know the people you need to be around. You know the environments. You know where they congregate. 
And again, if you're asking the right questions, you're able to get into the relationships with the people you need to be. I'm reminded of Alice in Wonderland and the Cheshire Cat, right? Where she says, which road do I take? And he says, where are you going? And she says, I don't know. And then he says, it doesn't matter. If you don't know where you're going, well, then it doesn't matter. So a big part of it is figuring that out. And and so, you know, it's it's critical that you do that. But also keep in mind that you may be listening to this and going, well, I've got a nice portfolio I'm building. How do I get my kids interested? Or what about the grandkids? You can't force them along. All you can do is create those environments, the idea, create that gap, and let them either choose or not. I think one thing you can do that's really important, and this is how you process life, uh, and if you're the type of person that talks about what's wrong, if you're the type of person that complains, you've got a heavy workload, you're tired, uh, you, when you express your frustrations and the energy comes across as negative, they're not going to want any part of it. Right. I mean, Sean literally has been attracted to a life where I have been cleaning up a giant mess. I mean, I have a lot to complain about if I was wired that way, but I'm not. I'm having a great time. And everything bad that I went through, I look at as a great gift. When you people talk to me about 2008, and Robert, of course, you and I have had this conversation many times, and yes. we've gone through a lot of stuff Usually together. Usually over a beer. Yeah. it's it's. I, I tell everybody it, it was the greatest gift. It didn't feel like it at the time, but in, today, in my mind, 2008 was a gift. It got me out of businesses I no longer wanted to be in. It gave me the opportunity to purge my portfolio of all kinds of properties and rebuild it from scratch based on all the lessons that I'd learned. It uh, gave me an opportunity to really take a step back and think about how I wanted to live and reorganize everything based on that new knowledge. And I'm happier today. And I think, you know, and Sean can comment on this, but I think just the fact that I have a good time living my life. It's a lifestyle that someone could look at and be attracted to go, you know what? I think I'd like to live like that too. Not everybody would. I don't complain about flying a hundred trips a year. I like it. I don't complain about having to speak. Oh, I got to go there and speak or, oh, I got to go do the podcast or radio show or, oh, I got, you know, I don't, nothing, that never comes out of my mouth because I love everything. I love everything about it. So my point is, is if you're not doing what you love in a way that you love doing it, then the best thing that could happen to you is you get wiped out and you have to start all over again and take the time to build a life that you enjoy and your family will be attracted to that. Well, speaking of clarity, look how much more clarity we got in our business lives after the crash. I mean, we were forced to sit down and look at the board and say, how do we rebuild and what do we rebuild? We were doing a lot of things. You had a mortgage company and decided, you know what, that's not something we're going to rebuild. We looked at the radio show and the podcast, the amount of time it took, and we decided, you know, that's important. We get people whose lives are changed because of that. We're going to keep doing And systematically, we went through our individual and collective business lives and got that clarity that Sean's talking about. And that's critical. Whatever it takes for you to get to that point and to help your heirs, your kids, your family, your friends get to that point. If they don't have clarity and you have clarity and you're gone, now what? One point, Russ, that I thought was key when you said, I don't complain about the things that are part of what I do. I don't complain about a hundred airplane trips. It's a very dubious distinction, by the way, to sit in an airplane seat forever. So the point is, you're not going on an airplane trip, you're going on a destination to do the things that are what your plan's about. So. 100 airplane trips is just one of the small prices you pay to facilitate what you want to do. Says the guy with 5 million miles. Yeah, so, well, I mean, and it is, right? And you, but you choose. It's a choice. 
I was in the airport in baggage claim, as I often am, happily, and I hear this woman talking to the gal who picked her up. Well, how was the flight? Oh, it was late, and it was terrible, and I got a middle seat, and she's just going on and on about how awful it was, and then she says, but I guess if it wasn't like that, I wouldn't have anything to complain about. Like, really? Like, that's your, that's how you measure your life is how much you have to complain about? If we chose to complain, we could go on. This could be a seven-hour podcast instead of an hour, but that's the, the point is great. You are making a choice every time you open your mouth. Well, I think the point is, you know, you're not necessarily trying to sell. I didn't try to sell him on my lifestyle. Right. You know, all I said was I was an example of thoughtful construction of a lifestyle with a business model because you have to make money. You know, you can do things that you enjoy. And if it doesn't make you money, you don't get to keep doing it. So the business side of it is a big part of it. And so the challenge wasn't, hey, come live my lifestyle or come do what I do. The challenge was, look how happy I am because I did this process. I'm only, the only sadness that I have, and it's to your benefit, is that it took me 30 years to figure it out when my goal for you would be, I hope you figure it out sooner. I think you'll be a happier man if you do that. And he took on the challenge, right? And the challenge wasn't, he's created his own thing. Right. And we were talking at the break just about how he has taken all these components of things that he's seen, both on the inspirational side, the purpose, mission, vision, value side, practical business modeling side, real estate investing side, business side, and put it all together. And when, when it came out, I remember sitting down with him and I told him, I said, that's one of the greatest business ideas I've ever heard. Yeah. If I wasn't Robert's co-host, I would be doing this with you because that's amazing. It's awesome. And everybody he's told it to thinks it's the most unbelievable thing ever. And when you find that, I mean, he gets up every day and he's just anxious about building it. I said, and it's such a joy for me. Yeah, it was a year and a half process or almost two year process, whatever it was, but to see the output, but it wasn't my answer. I didn't, you know, he had to figure it out. Well, that's that's the critical point is that we started with this idea of you have a portfolio to leave and your heirs are going to squander it. Well, if you have someone that comes along as interested in what you do, great. Maybe it's a family business. Maybe it's something you've done for a long time. Same career, different companies, whatever. That's great. But if it's not, if it's they're not interested, they're right. All you can do is figure out how can you support that person so that they have that legacy of enjoying their life well he and i mean he and i do things together you and i do things together i do things on my own you do things on your own sean does things on his own right so it isn't like you're 100 percent aligned see this is the thing they have to own it but there's overlap we all work together i have lots of partners if you will different things that we work together on right and so the point is is that they need to own their own life i think i think you know one of the mistakes that is easy to make is that you become the big ego in the room you become the answer man and a lot of times, especially, and maybe this is a sexist statement, so forgive me, but I'm just going to say it, you know, a man wants to be his own man. A guy wants to go out and be his own guy. And so now you've got the dad there, and he's the patriarch of the family, and he's the big ego, and he's the last decision maker. You know, I've looked at your dad. Your dad has created an environment where he went from being, you know, the guy, and, and then you guys became partners. And you have totally flourished and grown. And in a lot of ways, you're the driver right now. And and Bob is great with that. And that's awesome. There was a point in time where my father came to work for me. And, and at first, that was kind of weird. But, but he was great about it. He was letting me be the guy. And he would come in and he would give me his advice, but he would let me make the call. And I learned a lot because he left that gap. And I think that that's the point, you know, a big point. And I'm glad you had that 
point brought up earlier, Robert, you do have to leave that gap. So even in the business model or what the business activity is, let them find their thing. We're talking about the next generation and the one after that. We'll continue our thoughts when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Patrick from Paradigm Life. I've recently written an ebook called The Perpetual Wealth Strategy. The ebook discusses one of the best investments, real estate, combined with a financial vehicle used by the wealthy, many U.S. presidents, famous actors, athletes, and even Houdini himself. You can download the ebook for free in the resources section on the Real Estate Guys Radio homepage. Don't wait, go download it now. Hello, this is Dave Leniger, co-founder of Remax International. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. However you've done that, we're glad you're here. And spread the word about The Real Estate Guys. Maybe there's someone you know that today's show might help out in any way, shape, or form. Even if they're not into real estate, send it along. This is a bigger show than just real estate. We obviously, as real estate investors, think about our portfolios. A lot of us invest in things that are going to be here long after we're gone. That's the nature of land. It's the planet. It's As long as Earth is here, it's likely going to be valuable. So we need to think in those terms. And maybe you're expecting to hear more of that on today's show. Come on the summit. We'll get in all those conversations, right? Because we do. People are really, we get people at the summit who are everywhere from their 20s up to their 80s. And, and it's amazing uh, when they integrate and they talk and they have ideas. I think in our, our time remaining, um, maybe Sean, from your perspective now, you're kind of at the start of this career, but you've learned some things already. So what are some big takeaways you've had? And if you could share something with the audience, whether it's a millennial, or whether it's the parent of a millennial when it comes to raising up capitalists? Sure. I really think that there's a process that you have to go through. And the great thing about hanging out with you guys is you've been you've allowed me to go through that process at my own pace. And you've allowed me to what we were just talking about. You've allowed me to own it on my own. You've allowed me to step into that role and do things for myself. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's what entrepreneurs do. They don't just plug into somebody else's system. That's the easy way. And when I see so many of my peers get out of school, because we've been on a track constantly being told where to go, how to dress, when to be there, we don't have to do much thinking for majority of our lives. Right. When you get out of school, you know, for the first time in your life, you have that freedom. I know we've talked about this before, but the entrepreneur is the one who's able to take all the different pieces. I like this. I don't like that. I like the way that business model works. I like the way that investment makes sense and put all the pieces together for themselves. So in that process is a way that I've been able to own it for myself and come up with a model that is that is mine and that, that I'm passionate about and that uh, makes sense for me. And I think the process is really starts with this. So if I could speak to the millennial, speak to the younger listener on the show right now, I would say this, change the way you think 
get a mentor, change the people you're around. Those are the first three steps into becoming successful. I don't care if you want to be the best, you know, cup maker. I'm looking at a cup right now, but if you want to be the best cup maker in the world, you're not going to go spend your time with Joe Schmo who makes a cup in his garage once a year. You're going to find the best cup maker in the world and you're going to spend as much time with them as possible. And that really will ultimately determine how you end up thinking. You, you mentioned it earlier, you become the sum total of the five people you spend the most time around. Well, if you think that way, I can almost guarantee your cup will runneth over. <laughs> so uh, let's go on the other side for a minute. You know, Bob, you are looking back at, we all look back at the things we did right, the things we did wrong. Obviously, you did a ton right. But talking to the older generation, there's someone out there who's you know, 60, 70, 80 going, wow, no, it's too late for me and, and I've made all the mistakes. What would, you, what would you tell that person? Let me first echo what Sean just said. Look for mentors. Look for people who can help you. I had the good fortune of being pretty successful. I spent the first 20 years of my career, 25 actually, investing in real estate. But it was almost an accident. In fact, it really was an accident. However, I finally got rolling, got the bug. What I had were no mentors. That's why it took so long to figure it out. And even as we had pretty good successes, you've still got to examine what is going on. You've got to learn the lessons. And when they happen, you've got to get the lesson because you're paying the price and move on from there. I think uh, we've concluded I made some pretty good mistakes. I remember Bob's big boo-boo. Gee, it was a building that we bought, kept 25 years, made a good profit on. What we didn't realize is we weren't paying attention to what the market was willing to give us. We should have made an enormous profit on it. Was it a mistake? Well, yes and no. Glad we had it. Glad we did it. Glad we learned some stuff from it. What I would encourage the rest of you to do is look at the mistake incorporated earlier. Get the lesson vicariously if you can. Fail bigger and faster sooner. So I, I just have a quick comment I want to toss in. Sean talked a lot about process and uh, we talk about compressing time frames. And one of the things that I learned, the mistakes that I made as Bob's talking about looking back on your life is I was impatient and that was a great quality, but it was also a bad quality because I kept breaking out of the process. I kept thinking if I get out of this production line, if I get out of this transformational process, I can find a shortcut. And I wasted a lot of time looking for the shortcut. And so when Sean would be tempted to do that, we would have this conversation. I would say, here's how you compress time frames. You must understand the process, commit to the process, and there's a lot of wasted time between the steps. Compress that, but don't compress going through the actual process. Every time you're tempted to do it in your funnel, right, if you're onboarding a deal, it's tempting to skip over doing a portion of your due diligence or something to save a little money or save a little time. Big mistake, right? In your sales process, if you skip over a, a, asking a question or waiting for the client to collect their mind and give you the answer and connect the dots on their own and you skip that, you're probably going to miss the sale. In your personal development, there are things you go through after you make a mistake, sitting down and doing the debrief and doing the plan to review process. It's easy to skip that because, oh, well, it's over. I just forget about it, you know, and move on to the next thing. It's good to have that resilient attitude, but it's not good to skip the process of getting the lesson. So the point is, is when you're in a transformational situation, which all of us should be constantly trying to transform to whatever the next level is, and that's, you find that by hanging around with people that are way past you, right? Changing the people you hang around with, then there's a process you start to go through. Don't skip the steps. Compress the wasted time in between. All right. Well, good stuff. We could uh, continue this conversation and we'd love to uh, come out to a Real Estate Guys event where we get to talk about all this great stuff with lots of great folks. And you can find all that at realestateguysradio.com under events. 
A big thanks to uh, the Godfather of Real Estate and Sean Gray for sharing their ideas today. Your homework for this episode is just to examine what you're building and who you're building it for. And who you're building, because it's really, it's not about building a portfolio or a business, it's about building the people. And until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.